It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Welcome back to the show in part two of a previous solo episode I did about my 2023 cross-country road trip. This has been a regular series, essentially, that I've done over the last few years. This is the fourth time I have done this particular trip. And I've yet to figure out how to tell the stories, share all the details of these road trips very succinctly and concisely. But you know what I realized? I can't remember what inspired this thought, but somehow I was thinking about the fact, maybe it was through some work I was doing with this other podcaster who really reminded me that it's okay to just simply express yourself in whatever way it comes out. And while that might sound really obvious, it's also easy to feel really self-conscious about how we present ourselves, especially professionally, how we express ourselves. And I also was listening to a wonderful podcast episode on the show called Being an Artist with Tom Judd. And he interviewed Roseanne Cash, the musician. And between the two of them, they talked about how no artist is ever satisfied. They could be successful for many years, get recognition, and yet still feel insecure, still feel vulnerable, still feel like their work isn't good. And I have those moments all the time. I've done almost 500 episodes of this show. And yet after the previous episode, part one of this two-part, hopefully, I don't think it's going to extend to three-part, but part one, I remember thinking, why didn't I talk faster? Why did I include so many details? Why didn't I leave out some things? Just being critical of myself. And between those perspectives that I just referenced, it was a really important reminder for me that it's okay to be long-winded. It's okay to have multiple parts. It's okay to not be concise. And I want to also acknowledge the experience that I have as a podcaster, because I think not enough people acknowledge those things. So many podcasts are designed to be very strategic. And as a little side note that correlates to that, in the last few weeks, I have really been building up my freelance services in the podcast world. And as a result of that, I have interacted with tons of podcasters. I've just been examining all these different shows and looking at all the different perspectives, the different ways that people approach podcasting. And it's been super interesting. My biggest takeaway from that has been there's just no right or wrong way to it. And some of the most experienced podcasters do things in a way that I don't really align with. And some very inexperienced podcasters are just doing things brilliantly in a way that it's never even occurred to me. And I feel just in complete awe of them. So experience and success and external validation do not necessarily line up with what feels fulfilling and what feels right for each of us. So with that said, I'm going to continue the conversation. If you haven't listened to the first part of this, I was sharing about the trip from Los Angeles to Voyagers National Park. And where I left off was a kind of hurried story behind the very windy night that I had. So I'm going to pick up. I might overlap a little with that story. I'm also going to share my screen. So there's visuals. Now, I intend to one day upload the video to YouTube, but for now, the videos live within the Beyond Measure private community, which is free to join. It's open to anyone, unless you happen to be someone who's really rude, judgmental, and critical of me or other members. You are welcome there. If I see that behavior, you'll be taken out. But 
I assume if you're listening to this show and you're interested in joining the community, you're going to be a phenomenal fit. And within Beyond Measure, I record episodes like this live so you can come and chat, you can ask questions, you can give feedback, you can be part of the conversation. And you can also go and see the video and episodes like this might be something you want to see visually because I'm going to share. I also made an exception to a decision I made in early 2023, which was to not do blog post versions of episodes like this, these solo episodes. And I made an exception because this is a very visual thing. And for those of you that want to see photos and you're not part of Beyond Measure, you don't want to join Beyond Measure, you can still go to wellevator.com and see what I'm talking about across part one and part two. So you can check the description that I'll have a link to Beyond Measure if you want to check it out. It's also going to have a link to part one of this show or this episode series. Fumbling through my words. All right, let's get into it. So I left off after my adventure, which was truly an adventure on this island in Voyagers National Park, which is right at the border of the United States and Canada. And I felt a combination of a lot of emotions. Let me share my screen so I can start getting into more of the visuals again. So some of these I've already shared. Evie was really chill. I mean, thank goodness that she wasn't phased by the experience. I mean, she acted like it was no big deal. And I, I think that was actually a wonderful thing to notice how an animal responds to nature versus how I might respond to it. And I was really grateful for EB's company because I did feel really vulnerable. I felt like unprepared and unsure in this video, which I don't remember if I showed last time or not, but the sides of the tent were just like blowing like crazy and pieces of the tent were starting to come ungrounded. And I was trying to sleep. This was at like two in the morning when all this craziness was going on and it just felt unsettling. And since this trip, actually, the weekend before I recorded this episode, I went to Maine. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit for context, but I stayed with my friends in Maine who are extremely experienced in outdoor adventures and all sorts of wilderness experiences. In fact, one of them specializes in that. His name's Eli, and he has a brand called Wicked Good, which I can link to in the show notes because he is an amazing person, so knowledgeable. And his wife, I've been friends with literally my entire life. Our parents met in Lama's class. It's such a gift to have known someone since the womb who's not a twin. Anyways, I went and visited them this past week and was telling them all about my experience. And they were so supportive and had all these stories about their adventures in places like Alaska, where I plan to go sometime in the next few years, and telling me how they had to stay days in a tent because of hurricane winds. And it just kind of felt like I crossed this new threshold of camping and outdoor experiences Having survived this night, my tent stayed in one piece, but also taking away a lot of information about how I want to do things differently. So that was a big part of this experience. I was very grateful for my tent. I think I mentioned it last time. It's the Ozark five-person SUV tent. Definitely not the type of tent you want to have in this environment. And certainly not great fit for me being by myself, setting up this huge five-person tent was unnecessary. And it's not a tent that was designed to be in these circumstances. So a big mission of mine is to buy a new tent. Thankfully, Eli gave me a lot of great advice and helped me narrow it down. And at some point, I will be purchasing a much smaller, sturdier tent for these circumstances. And I'll, I'll let you know when that happened. So I left this island with Rainy Lake Charters, who I mentioned in the previous episode, and still completely blanking on his name. Um, <laughs> I meant to look it up. And for some reason, I want to say Jeff. <laughs> Gosh, let me just look it up right now. Why not? Rainy Lake Charters. What is this wonderful man's name who took such good care of me? And this, if you didn't listen to the previous episode yet, he came on this little boat and dropped me off here, picked me and he does not. Oh, Captain Ken. Ken, not Jeff. Okay. Kind of close. Ken. 
just lovely. So in addition to recommending Eli at Wicked Good in Maine, if you do go to Voyagers National Park and you need a water taxi, could not recommend Captain Ken and Rainy Lake Charters enough. He was just fantastic. So he picked me up the next day, me and Evie, drove us back to shore. I was very grateful to be back on the mainland and continued driving, picked up some firewood along the way, which is always so interesting. I took some pictures of this stand that I went to because there was no one there. And actually, this is how it's set up all over the country. There's just like stands with, you know, a little box where you can put in money. Usually it's $5. And this one was just really, really cute, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And you put your money in, you take your bundle of wood. And by the way, I think I might have mentioned this in the previous episode, but just in case I haven't, one thing that I learned over the last few years, I think I learned this in 2021 through the leave no trace principles, is that you need to buy firewood in the area that you're going to burn it. And I've learned a lot of things that because I hadn't done a lot of traveling and I also didn't do a lot of fire building. I didn't know that you couldn't like bring firewood from area to area. I definitely made that mistake in the past. So I've been very intentional and I like buying from small privately owned businesses. I stopped at the, or even just like not even a business, but just a guy on the side of the road or a girl or a person <laughs> selling their, their wood. Then I continued through Minnesota along Lake Superior. I stopped at this little gemstone store that I had read about. That was kind of cool. I went to one of my favorite campgrounds, maybe of all time, but definitely on this trip. I actually went to a number of great campgrounds. I talked about some in episode or part one of this series. On my way to the next national park, I went to this area called Grand, gosh, I don't know the correct pronunciation. Maybe it's Marai, maybe it's Murray. I'll spell it out in the show notes if you want to look. It was a phenomenal place. Maybe overall, my favorite, most surprising place that I went to. The campground was huge. And as a whole, it wasn't the best campground there. But it just felt so cozy. I felt so safe there. There was just tons of people and families and everyone felt so welcoming. I set up my car at a RV spot. And I mentioned in, in part one that I had a poor experience at an RV park on this trip. And this place made up for it because they were so welcoming to me with a Tesla, had no problem with me charging my car there. So that all worked out really well. And I just walked around admiring all the different setups that people had. And this campground is right on the water. So you can walk down to the shore of Lake Superior. And it was stunning. This is mid-August. It was great weather. And I happened to be there right around sunset time. So I walked through the shoreside town, which had all these cute little restaurants and just people quietly doing their thing there. It was just magical. Evie and I took a long walk and there were all these birds on the side of the water and all these beautiful stones on the beach side. And I was taking in all of these cool little stores and restaurants. I didn't actually go into them. Some of them or most of them were closed and I didn't feel like it. I just wanted to be by the water. And I just was in complete awe. I walked out to this little lighthouse and it was just felt like a magical experience. And that's what made it feel really special for me because I didn't expect that. I thought I was going to go to this campground and go to bed. And instead, I was surprised by how lovely this area was. It was definitely somewhere I would go back. This is a place of a coffee shop called Java Moose that I went to the next day when I woke up, but I took a picture of the exterior. I love moose. I love coffee. And I wanted to go get a really good cup of coffee and read wonderful things about it. So next morning I woke up and went there and this place was even better than I imagined it to be. First of all, the coffee was great. But second of all, it was really cool inside multiple people there talk to me. Most of them were locals and they were just starting conversations with me. And I just felt so like 
taken in and supported and just amazed by the kindness of the people there. And then I drove up to Grand Portage to take another ferry, except this time with a huge group of people. Well, I don't know if huge, that's probably an exaggeration. Maybe there was 30 people. You had to book this way in advance. They had very limited tickets, but this is the only way that you could get to the next national park I went to, which is called Isle Royal National Park. It's technically in Michigan, but I left from Minnesota to go across the lake. And I forget the name of this boat company, but if you look up Grand Portage, Isle Royal. I'll put this in the show notes too, (laughs) the name of it. I mean, it was the smallest operation. There weren't a lot of people on there, but the people I met also blew me away. I met this group of people who took me under their wing and ended up telling me all of these stories about their own journeys. And this photo is one of their phones where they had listed out all their favorite national parks that they had been to. And I think this might have been their 61st or second national park out of 63. So I was absolutely blown away by their stories, but also loved that they had this list. And number one on their list was Glacier National Park, which I went to a few years ago. I can link to that episode. That was in 2021. Second on their list was Yosemite, which I went to in 2012 before I started this podcast, but I've talked about it a few times. And number three is Everglades, which I went to earlier this year. And I think I did an episode on that Florida trip. Anyways, they had this wonderful list, showed it to me and was just telling me all about their experiences. And I just felt so grateful to chat with them. Then the ferry landed at the National Park where we were greeted by wonderful park rangers who told us the story of what was at this park and how to treat it well and what to do while we were there. You had, I think, four hours on the island before the ferry left again. You could camp there overnight, which I would have loved to do. I didn't think, actually didn't make sense for me because I had Evie. So one thing I skipped over is I actually hired someone on Rover to watch Evie during the day because dogs aren't allowed on the island. That was actually a huge ordeal. It took a lot of work to figure this out. There is a boarding or like a dog border service at Grand Marais, but they were all looked up. So I ended up finding this wonderful woman on Rover who took care of Evie, great, great care of her. And I'd be happy to link to both of those resources because it took me a while to figure out what I was going to do with Evie. Anyways, once I got that all figured out, went to the island and there isn't that much to do except walk around and be in nature. So that's what I did. I did not see any major wildlife. There's tons of moose there. As is shown in this photo, you can see all their antlers. It's also known for their gray wolf population. Didn't see any of them. I guess it's pretty rare to see them. Maybe if you camp there, you have better luck. But I did see lots of different types of plants, all different types of berries. I saw, I think, a bunch of birds and all sorts of little critters. And I walked for, I think, five or six miles just on a trail and took in nature. I was by myself. I think over the three hours I was walking, I saw maybe five people. Most of the time I was by myself. And that was just really nice. It felt very safe here, very comfortable. And it was wonderful weather too. So sat down at one point towards the end and had some snacks. I ate some berries on the trail that I trusted. I forgot what they were called, but they're very similar to raspberries, but they're a special type of berry that grows in this area and they were in abundance. And the trip just flew by. I mean, before I knew it, I was getting back on the ferry and ended up seeing that group of people. They were so kind. They let me sit with them again, or they invited me to sit with them again. They even gave me a beer to drink. (laughs) We passed by this really cool lighthouse in the ocean and made our way back to shore. And then I went and picked up Evie. I mentioned in part one that my windshield got a a crack in it. And so I continued to document that. And then something really fun happened. Shout out to one of the Beyond Measure members who is here live right now and a cat lover. I'm going to show this video of 
this incredibly cute kitten that the woman who dog sat Evie had recently rescued. And if this cat had been available to adopt, I may have continued on to the next part of my trip with this kitten in my car because it was truly one of the cutest kittens I had ever seen. But the woman that looked after Evie not only found this kitten on the side of the road, I think on like a rainy night and rescued her, but then decided to keep her. And it was just like so incredibly cute, heartwarming. I forget the cat's name. Had a really cute name too. So I moved on to my next spot without a cat and made my way to Wisconsin. I stayed at a really tiny campground, mostly for RVs called Anchor Inn Campground. And it wasn't really anything special. It was just a pit stop, a place to sleep, but it was nice. They actually had a really nice bathroom here. It doesn't look like it from the photos, but it was just like the perfect bathroom. I think I took a shower and that was really nice. And then the next morning I woke up at the crack of dawn, literally, and drove to the Apostle Islands National Lakeshore. And this was kind of interesting. I went on a trail that I thought would be the best way to see the shoreline, which I'll show you some great photos I took of it. But I ended up not enjoying myself very much. It was kind of, <laughs> this is going to sound strange, but I felt so bored. This trail was just in the woods, mostly on these wooden slats for a very long time. And I remember just feeling really frustrated. It was super early in the morning, like 630 in the morning that I hit the trail with Evie. And I just remember feeling anxious, like I wanted to get this trail over with. And it took me, I think, 45 minutes or so to even see this side of the water. So it's a little hard to describe, but this Apostle Islands are literally a string of islands named after the apostles. And I thought I was going to be able to see them, but it turns out I just got to see the side of the land that resembles the islands, if this makes any sense. So it was very beautiful. Actually, this is a rare case of where the photos were are almost better than the in-person experience. Although, of course, photos rarely do things justice. It was really cool, like how the rock formations and the colors in the land and just the way the water looks next to it. But was it worth getting up that early and walking for two hours before I had a really long drive to get to my next destination? Jury's out on that. I also didn't even get to see the islands. <laughs> so the islands are like in a different section of this area. And I thought I was going to be able to see them in the distance. Either I misread the information about this trail or completely screwed up. But anyways, I would maybe go back and maybe like go out on a water taxi or a ferry to go see them. But it's hard to say. So Evie and I continued our journey and we were in the car all day long. I think part of the reason that I felt frustrated by the Apostle Islands Trail is that it took two hours and then it pushed back the rest of my trip longer than I anticipated. So I think my anxiety was mostly that I just was eager to get to the next stop. And along the way, I did make time to go to another Sierra store, which I think I talked about in part one. Sierra's this website I love browsing through and buying from. They have some retail locations. And basically, if there's a Sierra in an area that I'm passing by, I have to make time to go in there. And it happened to be, this one happened to be near one of the Tesla chargers. So I went in there and then drove to the next campground, which was part of Hip Camp. I also mentioned Hip Camp in the previous episode or part one of this hip camp, for those that don't know, is basically Airbnb for camping. And you can get really great deals on people's properties, meaning like it can be a lot less expensive than a campground. So a campground can be anywhere from 15 to 50 plus dollars, whereas hip camp, I say averages on the lower end, like $15. So this one I went to outside of St. Louis, was $15 a night and it was on this beautiful property. And I did get there 
after dark. So I don't have photos of when I arrived, <laughs> but if I will see if I could, uh, yeah, make this a little bit bigger. This photo I'm showing right now, and maybe I'll put this in the blog post for those that aren't seeing the video. There were all of these ginormous spider webs hanging off of the trees. And I almost ran into one of these giant spider webs in the middle of the night. So that was a reminder of why I do not like getting to campgrounds after dark because you don't know what's in front of you. And just looking at this picture is giving me the creeps. It was beautiful to see during the day when I could actually see the web and avoid it, but they were all over the property. <laughs> like these huge, I mean, multiple feet long stretched across in between trees. So I was like trying to walk around and drive my car into the property and figure out like where I was going to park and set up for the night. Did not anticipate spiders being part of the equation. But it all worked out. I got a good night's sleep. I mean, there's nothing there. This is one of those campgrounds where because it's part of someone's property, it's often rare to have access to bathroom or to other forms of plumbing. So I just set up my own little bathroom. I think I've mentioned this before. I have this little pop-up tent and I have multiple toilets. Well, yeah, I mean, I have one fold-up toilet that I bought on Amazon, which I'll, I'll link to. I also have the Carloo, which is one of my favorite pieces of gear of all time. That's mostly for women to pee in the car. So it's great. I've talked about them before. I'll link to them so you can go check them out more. I hope they never go out of business. It's a small female run business. But the other one is a fold up toilet that you can use for whatever your bathroom needs are. And I'll set that up inside this pop-up tent and basically have my own porta potty, which is so great on properties like this. I also always bring lots of water. I use another piece of gear called Suds to Go, which is a little mini hand washing station, really comes in handy in places like this. So basically, I'm, I'm always prepared for these different situations. And I also tried out the Thermacell. Jury is still out on that. I mentioned in part one how I feel conflicted about the Thermacell because they are a company that uses this special, what they say is an all natural formulation to repel mosquitoes. And mosquitoes have been a big issue for me while camping. I tend to attract them. I get bit up. I get very uncomfortable. I've tried all different types of natural sprays and have started resorting to other things that are maybe not as great for the body or the environment. The Thermacell, I really feel split about it. I just bought it a few months ago and... I don't know. I'm going to mention it. I'll keep you posted. If you have any advice or perspective on the thermocell, I'd be very interested in hearing it. Essentially, people are just worried that it could be harmful to animals or bugs. And I don't know if enough research has been done. Of course, thermocell says that the product's safe, but a lot of people have raised concerns about it. And I forget it. It's formulated from like some plant. So it's not, to my knowledge, done in a super harmful way. It's just the, the specific compound, the way that it keeps mosquitoes away, people are afraid that it's going to be impacting other parts of the environment. So that is my warning label for this. But it's kind of like you have to make compromises. And I've learned this a lot when it comes to the outdoors. Yes, you follow the leave no trace principle. Yes, I'm always trying to take pick the most natural options and buy from small businesses like Carlu that I mentioned. But I also do buy products on Amazon that are maybe cheaper made and more generic. Sometimes it's to save money. Sometimes it's the convenience. I need something fast or I, there's various reasons. And I've learned a lot through my travels that in order to try to do everything right, it takes a ton of time, a ton of education and a lot of money, truly a lot of money. And I think to make travel accessible, oftentimes we have to make compromises and just do our best. One thing I've really learned through doing these trips over all these years is every year I learn more. Every year I save up more money. I have a bigger budget for travel versus like 2020 when I did this first cross-country trip of this kind, I suppose. I didn't have any travel budget. I also was making a lot less money back in 2020. I could... I mean, I scrapped that whole trip together 
in a lot of creative ways. I got products donated. I did reviews in exchange for them. I did half my trip with my friend Leanne, who contributed to the budget as well. And now I do things very different in 2023. So still not perfect, but lots of learning and improvement along the way. Evie and I really enjoyed this property in Hip Camp. I'll, I'll link to this specific property too. This is in Warden. So it's very close to St. Louis. I essentially was looking for the best camping situation near St. Louis, as you'll see momentarily what I did there. But this is a great choice. I looked at a ton of campgrounds and RV parks. And sometimes I will pick a Hip Camp, not just to save money, but also because the experience is a lot nicer than some of the other options that are closer to a city like St. Louis. And it certainly was really lovely. So the reason I went there to St. Louis was to go to the Gateway Arch, which a lot of people are surprised to learn is part of the national park system. And this surprised me a lot. I've driven by it. I think with the former co-host of the show, Jason, he and I did a road trip in 2013 or 14. I think it was 13. And we drove through St. Louis. So I remember passing by this, but not really giving it much thought. And it was really neat to return and specifically go to this arch. So I drove downtown. I found this wonderful parking lot after lots of research that was really affordable. It's part of how I plan trips. It also felt really safe because I couldn't bring Evie with me into the national park, the arch. So I decided to leave her in the car with dog mode on and dog mode in the Tesla regulates the temperature. It also allows you to check in on your car virtually. They updated this new feature in the Tesla where you can actually use your phone and see the cameras. So there's a camera inside the car and outside the car, multiple cameras outside the car. So you can check and make sure that the temperature is regulated for your dog. You can check to make sure no one's broken into your car and you can check the cameras and literally see inside as well as outside the car. So I also, for cases like this, where I've had to leave Evie, I put up little signs in the car that have my phone number on it and like a little explanation about why she's in there and how the temperature control is on. And that way, if anyone was ever concerned or some emergency happened, they'd be able to reach me. So I've developed that system over time. But Evie actually really loves being in the car. I mean, when I do need to leave her in a case like this, I leave like her food and water out. She's got her little fan going. She's got her comfortable seat. I'll come back and it's like I never left. She's just like sound asleep in there. Certainly, just like I mentioned with other elements of travel, it's not my ideal situation. I would much rather leave her with a rover sitter or a dog boarding, but sometimes it's really complicated and hard to find, or sometimes it's a really brief period of time. So this has definitely been an ongoing challenge, like going to national parks with a dog is not easy. And there's a lot of things that you have to factor in. But luckily, this parking lot was a great choice. It was super safe and everything worked out well. So after I got Evie all settled, I headed over to the Gateway Arch and it really surprised me. You go in there with your tickets, everything is timed out. There's an incredible museum that you walk through that has all the history. And then you go up to the top and you wait in line. Everybody that worked there was so kind. Everything was organized, ran on schedule was really informative. These are mostly videos that I captured of just like the setting. It felt kind of simultaneously futuristic and really old. And I forget what year this was built, but it was built with so much intention and artistry and stability. And you can learn so much about all of it. Like it was kind of like out of a movie. What's that famous Harrison Ford movie? They did a sequel to it recently. I'm blanking on the name, but it feels like almost like you're on a spaceship or you're like in some futuristic time. That Harrison Ford movie is almost, it's a really famous one and I'm completely blanking, but I think it's Harrison Ford that's in that movie. If you've seen it and you're watching the visuals or any of the photos that I have of Gateway Arch, maybe it'll make sense. It feels just like a sci-fi movie ultimately, but it was built quite a long time ago. And you stand in line and in groups of five go into these little pods 
And the pods are all connected to each other like a train and they travel up the side of the arch really quickly, like in a matter of minutes, but not like at a, like it added an elevator pace. So fast, but not scary whatsoever. And before you know it, you're at the top and you walk out. And of course, there's not a lot of headspace. So you're kind of ducking a little bit and you walk up into the arch. It reminded me of being at the top of the Statue of Liberty. If you've ever been up there, it's maybe not as cramped. I haven't done that since I was a kid, but you can see out the window. They only give you 10 minutes at the top and that's all very organized and the staff is keeping you informed. You really don't need more than 10 minutes. I mean, even a couple minutes up there, you look out the windows, you see downtown St. Louis, you see the river, which I'm blank. What is that river? Is it the Mississippi? <laughs> God, you'd think with all these trips, I would be great at knowing what everything is. And by the way, one of the Beyond Measure members guessed the Harrison Ford movie. Nope, it's not Indiana Jones. <laughs> the movie I was trying to remember. It's like a futuristic movie. And there's a scene in this famous building in Los Angeles. I don't know. Those are the only details I can think of. And they redid the movie a few years ago. I think Ryan Gosling was in it. Okay, maybe that's enough. I'm going to look this up. Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, sequel. You know when you like you can't... Blade Runner, that's the name. That's what I was trying to think of. For some reason, that's what came to mind as I was trying to describe... the arch, what it's like inside. I don't know if that's accurate whatsoever, but that just came to mind. Anyways, yes, it is quite high up at the top. I forget 600. Is that right? 600 something feet? Yeah, 630 feet high. And it's just the architecture is absolutely stunning and how they've maintained it is really cool. I did not notice the Budweiser facility. That's somewhere down there in St. Louis. My mom was like shocked that I didn't look out for the Budweiser campus or whatever it's called. Did not notice it, didn't go over to it. Sometimes when I look through my photos, I'm like, maybe I can see it out in the distance. And actually speaking of photos, just noticed in this photo that I'm showing right now, maybe one that I'll put in the blog, you can actually see the shadow of the arch That's so cool. Like you're up in the arch looking out into the city and the shadow is there underneath you. Wow, that's neat. Amazing the things that you can notice over time. I mean, I couldn't recommend going to to the arch more because I guess some of these things, it's easy to just drive by. And one thing that I've really realized through my trips is that there's so much to see. There's so many little details and to really immerse yourself in it is such a gift. I mean, it's also something not to take it for granted. I think a lot of us do. I mean, something like the Gateway Arch, maybe you go and do with your family and you don't think much of it. The family that was actually in the arch with me, I was wondering if their kids appreciated it at all or they just kind of felt like, oh, their parents are dragging them to this. <laughs> I certainly used to feel that way. Like, I don't even know if I appreciated the Statue of Liberty. I've been there a few times. Anyways, I'm back down in one of these cool pods. And then I went to the museum and walked around. It's really neat because they tell you about the arch itself and how that was constructed. There's like all these different models of it, but they also tell you the whole history of the area and why the arch was built to begin with. So that was cool. And then I went outside and took a bunch of selfies, lots of different angles, went and touched the arch. And then went and got Evie and she was all content in the car as if I hadn't left, just like I said. And then I went to my friend's house. Oh, by the way, this is the photo. I Maybe I'll put it in the original blog, but this is one of the pictures that I had taken by my friend Melissa Schwartz when I was in Boulder. So that's in part one. I meant to show this or integrate this somehow into it. But Melissa came on the podcast a little while ago to talk about her new endeavor, which is an incredible body and face pillow. But she also is an absolutely phenomenal photographer and took all these great photos of me. And this this is one of them. Anyways, I was in Indianapolis and I stayed there for a few days with my friend and we walked around and spent time with kids and ate food and just had a really lovely, peaceful time. Here's my friend. Then from Indianapolis, I drove, I think only like two hours north to go to Indiana Dunes National Park, which I believe 
was park number 50 for me out of the 63, if I'm remembering right. I think this was the last park I went to officially that I hadn't been to before. And that was really neat. It was on the water and I felt very clear about being on Lake Superior, but I keep forgetting the name of this lake. It's Lake Michigan. This is where Chicago is on. It's also is no, that's not the lake that Cleveland is on. I find this very confusing for some reason, probably because I didn't grow up in this area of the country, (laughs) but like the Great Lakes for some reason make no sense. So there's Lake Michigan, which is where Indiana Dunes is on, Lake Superior, which is where I spent a lot of time, Lake Huron, is that how you pronounce it? Huron? Huron? And Lake Erie. And is there another? What is this one? I'm looking at, oh, Lake Ontario. Okay. See, if you quiz me, couldn't guess. Lake Superior is probably the only one that I could remember and get right. So this is on Lake Michigan. And it was really neat. So the park is lit up in a few different ways. You can go to obviously the dunes, which are these dunes of sand and walk around and actually like enjoy as a beach. It feels like you're on the ocean. And it was just really lovely, but extremely hot. So hot that I was very worried for Evie's safety. So I was walking with her around and just kept wondering if she was going to get heat stroke or something. So I didn't get to spend a lot of time here because... I wanted to get her back into the air-conditioned car. So we did a very brief trip. You could see her panting away on the water. Couldn't tell if she was enjoying it or on the verge of a medical issue. So that was a little uncomfortable. We walked back to my car over some really cool platforms and wooded areas, and it was very pretty. Pretty but brief. And then once we were back in the air-conditioned car, we drove over to a neat area called Century of Progress, which is a historic district with all these cool homes that don't remember what year they were built, but they also felt like they were out of a movie, like in maybe 50s or 60s. Let's see. This one is called The House of Tomorrow. And you can look them up. They have all the details. Does it have the date? I think that they were probably, I wouldn't be surprised if these were used in movies or inspired various architecture. And I was just very impressed with this whole Indiana Dunes area because it felt like such a cool place to hang out and enjoy the water. I wish I wish I had been with other people or had scheduled a little bit more time just to like relax and go swimming. From there, I made it to Ohio. I will stop sharing at this point because pretty much all my photos and videos that I took there, actually, no, I'm going to share this part. I was going to say that most of my photos and videos were me with my family member joking around. I am very close to my family in Ohio. And we all love to be silly. So there's a lot of silliness in my photo album. But the photos that I am going to share are uh, this cool place called the West Side Market, which my mother absolutely loves and insisted I go to, even though she wasn't with me. She's always talking about the West Side Market. And I couldn't remember if I had been there before. So this is the first time that I really remember going there. And it's this giant market with all these different produce and food stands, basically any food you could imagine from local businesses. And it was just really neat. All right. From there, let me go through some of the the goofy photos and videos. (laughs) Ate lots of good food, went to a lot of different restaurants, spent a lot of time hanging out with my family and going on all sorts of different adventures. That's essentially what I'm scrolling through very quickly to get to what I will share, which is a national park I had been to last year called Cuyahoga. And I actually went on a bike ride. So one of my family, actually multiple family members of mine are very passionate about biking. So one of them took me and actually a listener of the show. I don't know if you want your name mentioned, but I will reference you anonymously but you know who you are. And we had this wonderful time biking through the national park. And it was really neat to experience it through the eyes of somebody else. Cause I went with a different family member the previous year and walked around it, but to bike it was really cool. We actually biked 10 miles. So I got to see a lot more than I did by foot. And In the park, there is this really cool farm stand that we stopped by and it just like had all these people out there enjoying 
food and hanging out in the beautiful weather. And I think that concludes the the highlights of this Ohio trip, at least the non-goofy family member moments, which really took up the majority of my Ohio experience. I just had such a wonderful time with, with each of the people that I saw there and stayed in Ohio for, I think, like five days. It was quite an extended period of time. And after Ohio, essentially, I drove to my parents' house, going through my photos to see if there was anything else that happened. But I think I just spent like, I don't know, 10 hours driving. And that's right. So now that I finished going through the pictures, that reminds me of how it all concluded. I made it all the way to the opposite side of the country, to my home base where I'm currently recording this episode from right now in Massachusetts. And I've been out here for about a month since... I've also been to Maine, as I mentioned, as talking about my friends, including Eli from Wicked Good. I went to New York, which I plan to do the separate episode on. And I mentioned a bit in the COVID episode. So if you haven't heard that, I did get COVID for the first time about a month ago. And that was right after I returned from visiting people in, in New York State and going to the Plant-Based World Expo in New York City. I will be doing a separate episode talking about Plant-Based World in combination with the Natural Products Expo, another place I traveled to in Philadelphia. So I will share some of those details there. And yeah, getting COVID definitely <laughs> put a wrench in, in a lot of my travel experience. But now that it's several weeks behind me, I feel fully recovered, almost as if it never happened. I'm very grateful for that. Not everybody who gets COVID has that experience. A lot of people develop long COVID or other symptoms that are lingering. And I am just so relieved that that has not been my case. And I talk a lot about that in the COVID episode, just how that experience shaped my viewpoints on COVID. And essentially, the last few weeks have felt a bit like a blur. It's, it's just kind of interesting how travel impacts me. In fact, I went to Maine over the weekend. Now, the quick summary, I go every year, including before I started doing the road trip, I've been going to Maine. Gosh, I think every year since maybe 2018, maybe a little bit before because I have such great friends up there and I love Maine. And every year we do some different adventures. In fact, I can see if any of those are on my computer since I've been doing such a, a visual show in Tao. Ooh, I do have a lot of good photos. I'll share some of those. Why not? <laughs> While I kind of think of this as separate because I had like almost over a month actually of just being in on the East Coast and floating around in all these different cities. I'll add this to this story. So this is Eli on a kayak adventure. They took me out, he and his wife, my great friend, again, not sharing everybody's names just to protect their privacy, but they took me out kayaking. We did this last year in 2022. I had such a great time that we did it again. And my friends have all this equipment at their house. So because Eli specializes in outdoor adventures and teaching and touring and he also does plant medicine. I mean, it's really impressive what he does. They have access to all this knowledge and it's all of this cool equipment too. So we went out to an island and I think it's out near Freeport. So if you know where LL Bean is, their headquarters or have heard of LL Bean, their headquarters are in Freeport, Maine. And we were kind of near there. You had to drive up the coast a little bit to get to the specific place where we put the kayaks into the water. Uh, we drove up there with the car, with the truck and uh, the kayaks attached to the top and paddled out to a string of islands called the Goose and Goslings Islands. And we didn't actually see any geese that I know of. We did see and hear loon, which was really cool. And we went and had our lunch out on this cool little island. And I actually used these pants. I need to give a shout out to them. I also haven't vetted any of these photos. So I want to check and make sure I don't have anything embarrassing to share here. <laughs> but I got these really cool pants at that Sierra store that I mentioned earlier. They went through a brand rename. They used to be called She Fly. Now they're called Nara. G-N-A-R-R-A. -R -R I'll link to them in the blog post along with everything else I've mentioned. And they were kind of a highlight for me. I wore them for the first time. And the reason they were initially called She Fly is because they have an extra fly on the pants that allows women or people that do not have male genitalia 
to use the bathroom outdoors with some privacy so you can squat while keeping your pants on. And I've become obsessed with these pants. They're so cool. They're incredibly comfortable. They're great for going to an island because there was no bathroom there. So you had to use the bathroom somehow. Now, of course, I could have just done it how you normally would with a pair of pants and taking them off, but not have to take off your pants and be able to pee is pretty awesome. (laughs) So shout out to Nara and their amazing design. And I am just scrolling through to see what other photos I want to share. I took so many photos. I got the new iPhone 15. It was my first phone upgrade in five years. And that camera is so much better than my previous camera that I just took tons of photos. We also, speaking of Sierra, went to a Sierra in Maine. That was really cool. I actually found another pair of those pants. So now I have two pairs of the Nara, formerly known as Shoefly pants, and they're absolutely awesome. The day after our kayak trip, we went to this really neat botanical garden. Oh, maybe this was what was in Booth Bay. Maybe the other where we went paddling wasn't. I don't know. A lot of these areas are kind of similar to me, at least. Maine is kind of, there's a lot going on in Maine (laughs) when it comes to the outdoors. So we went to the coastal Maine Botanical Gardens, which was absolutely beautiful. Lots of incredible plants there. I got to play around with my camera and take all sorts of fun photos. We went on hikes within the botanical gardens, and that was just really beautiful. I highly recommend going there. Uh, My friends go there all of the time. And my computer, which is five years old, like my previous iPhone is having a rough time. Oh, I'll share some of these photos. So one of the highlights of this botanical garden is these trolls that they built. So they're made of wood and an artist came in and designed these giant trolls that are sprinkled throughout the gardens. And there's at least one of you listening to this podcast who would have greatly appreciated this. I feel like it's right up your alley. They also had a whole fairy section of the botanical gardens where all these like little fairy homes are. So you know who you are. I thought of you while I was there looking at all the fairies and the trolls. I think you would have absolutely loved this place. Then we went to a place for lunch that blew my mind. It's called Cozy's in Booth Bay. And they were so accommodating to me with my gluten-free vegan diet. They had the Impossible Burger and phenomenal French fries and a bunch of salads. But I was so grateful to go to this tiny little dockside restaurant and get the Impossible Burger. And it was really pretty there. And here's my burger. (laughs) Oh, these are their, not French fries, chips. I don't know if they were made by them or another company, but they were really good chips. So had a great time at this restaurant and would go back there in a heartbeat. All these little moments of trips really add up over time. And the day after that, I continued on my way. I stopped by L.L. Bean, their main uh, store out there. It's a really cool property. I will go there every few years that I visit Maine just because it's it's so nice there. Like People that work at L.L. Bean are really nice. The people that go there all seem to be nice. It was kind of like that experience I had at Grand Marais in Minnesota where I was like, wow, like I just feel welcome here. I feel like there's kindness and there's beauty. And I think that might have been one of my big takeaways from my whole cross-country experience was just how much I enjoy seeing different things and meeting different people, but also noticing what makes me feel all warm and cozy inside, what makes me feel welcome, what makes me feel included, what challenges there are. The story I started this episode out with and ended the previous part with is is an interesting testament to nature. Even last night, actually, for the second time since I've been in Massachusetts, I camped in my parents' backyard in my hammock. And I first did this a month ago in September, and it was kind of a disaster because there were tons of mosquitoes and it was really hot and humid the night I camped out there. So I, I didn't find it very comfortable. Nature was not on my side. Last night, the temperature was absolutely perfect. It was like in the low 60s. There were no mosquitoes or bugs. And I just felt 
so relaxed and grateful. And then I was woken up like five or six in the morning with unexpected rain. I checked the weather forecast multiple times. There was no indication that it would rain. And my hammock does not have a rain cover on it. So I woke up to like big drops of rain hitting my face. But yet it was a sprinkle. They were just like, I think because I was underneath the tree, because I was hanging in the hammock, the leaves were like dropping. The water was like hitting the leaves and maybe sitting on them for a little while and then like dumping these big drops on me every once in a while. So it was very light rain, but an interesting experience to be under a tree. And yet, despite me not expecting it and despite rain sometimes being uncomfortable, it was so magical. And I felt so accepting of it and I embraced it. I was all warm in my water-resistant sleeping bag, which is a Nemo Forte 20, if you're curious. They make them for men and women. And the reason I bought that sleeping bag is because it's designed for side sleepers. And I can link to the hammock I bought. I got a really inexpensive like first-timer trial hammock from Amazon. And the brand's called Covacure, I think. It's actually really great. It was so inexpensive, like 20 or $25. I've used it a ton. I talked about it on my uh, camping trip from a few months ago when I went to the Sequoia National Forest. It's awesome. And I've slept overnight in it twice. And I kind of want to do it again tonight. I also use my Exped Mega Mat, which is a special air mattress for camping. And when you put that in the hammock with the right sleeping bag, it is a pretty posh glamping experience. <laughs> but I just woke up this misty, rainy morning all by myself in a hammock in the back of my parents' property and just felt like, wow, nature is really incredible, <laughs> which really is an understatement and maybe a cliche, maybe obvious. But these trips that I take teach me that over and over again. They remind me that nature is unpredictable. They remind me that nature is beautiful. And they remind me to take good care of it and raise my awareness and to teach myself new skills and to do my best and also to forgive myself and know that I can't always control things. And most of the time you can't control things, actually. Sometimes you're not always going to be prepared, even when you think you're prepared. Last night's experience in the hammock, didn't expect the rain. My crazy windy night, I also didn't expect. (laughs) But... I'm grateful for it all. I think I might have said that last time too, and I probably have similar conclusions. I'm so grateful for the friends and family. I mean, from Eli in Maine to my incredible family in Ohio to my friends in Indianapolis and Melissa in Boulder, Colorado, and all the other people I mentioned in part one, like just feel a deep sense of gratitude for the people I see, for the strangers too, those people on the ferry. Just like we're being reminded of the kindness of strangers is such a gift of traveling. You're not always going to encounter it. Strangers can be really scary. A lot of people are concerned that something awful is going to happen to me. And I think I've mentioned before, I have that concern too, but it's so overshadowed by all of the beauty and wonderfulness and kindness of these travels. I also don't take for granted the privilege to travel. I work remotely. I make enough of a living where I can put money aside into savings and plan for these trips. I have the passion and the drive. I have the physical ability. I have very few things that prevent me from doing these travels. I mean, really nothing. Obviously, they haven't been prevented, but I have minor obstacles and I don't take that for granted. I think sometimes experiences like this just give us an opportunity to reflect on everything that we have, all the abundance. And in the times where we're feeling insecure, like I talked about at the beginning of this episode, I get the opportunity to really spend a lot of time thinking and processing and noticing. And that all is the reason I continue to do this. So in addition to the other episodes I've mentioned, I will be sharing at least one more episode about my travels as I venture back to Los Angeles. I'm planning that trip for the end of October. So it'll be probably two months out that you'll hear that episode by the time I get back to LA and record the journey. If you want to come join that live recording, that'll be within the Beyond Measure community. I'd love to have you there. 
I'd love to answer your questions and hear from you. Oftentimes before I do these episode recordings, I chat with Beyond Measure members and we just catch up. We did that today. Sometimes at the end of the recordings, we all hang out and discuss the episode. And it's just really wonderful to connect with people in real time and make this an interactive experience. It's not just me talking to a microphone, but it's me talking to you and getting to know you. And that is something I cherish. So if you want to come join and maybe be part of the next travel update, I'd love to have you. The link is in the description. There's also a link to the blog post if you want to see the photos I mentioned, if you want the links to the products I was talking about and the places I went to for both part one and part two. The wonderful team at Podetize has edited this episode and put together the blog post. And I'm very, very grateful for them too. So with that said, the next episode you may hear, which comes out next week, is with a guest. All sorts of incredible people lined up. And it's my big aim to bring you a lot of value, whether it's just me talking or someone else in a conversation. I'm also going to be experimenting with the schedule again. This, the last few months has been a opportunity for me to pace myself with travels. I may go back to two episodes a week. We'll see. They used to be on Monday and Fridays. I also just scattered the episodes across multiple days of the week. So there hasn't been a super consistent release schedule that's been on purpose. It's been consistently inconsistent, I guess. (laughs) But I'm planning to go through and look at the data and see if any particular day of the week seems to work best. So if you ever have feedback on this, I'd love your input. You can email me or you can come over to the Beyond Measure community and message me or tell me in real time. I would love to hear from you. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more. Wishing you all the very best with whatever journey you're on today, in the future, and in between now and the next time we connect. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.